from the 23rd Psalm. You spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our hearts ache with those who have suffered loss in the Middle East. Archbishop Noam, who is the primate of the Anglican Church in Jerusalem and the Middle East, a Palestinian who lives virtually in Ground Zero, along with the patriarchs and head of churches in Jerusalem, have asked leaders and authorities to engage in sincere dialogue so that lasting solutions based on the values of the gospel, the values of justice, peace, and reconciliation for the people of that land who have endured so much for too long will occur. They are praying for people to come to the table. We as North Americans also pray for people to come to the table. The table is the banquet over which the banner is God's love. In our gospel today, Jesus tells us a parable of the kingdom of God. This kingdom is compared to a wedding banquet, a banquet that offers the choicest of foods, the main features of which is the ultimate Passover lamb and fine wine. The wedding banquet is a celebration, a celebration of life's journey and recalls moving from slavery to sin, slavery to all powers and principalities that seek to trap and destroy, to the consummation of God's mercy, justice, and love that ultimately leads to the promised land of freedom. And accepting this invitation to the wedding banquet is about participating, crossing the sea of reeds, no longer shackled by the bonds of slavery, violence, and victimhood into the land of ultimate promise. Every Sunday is our banquet. And in that banquet, we remind ourselves of this act and place ourselves in that very history. For God is consistently inviting us to the table, to the banquet of love and peace. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet paints a beautiful picture of the lion and the lamb cohabitating, living together peacefully, of weapons that turn into plowshares, for the good of the earth. And so in the context of what is happening, of the quagmire that is happening in the land that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ walked, 
and Isaiah prophesied about, we wonder, is there any hope? Allow me to get a little personal here and share an account from my friend and colleague at the Hartman Institute who lives in Israel. In an email to a few of us, she writes, perhaps more than any of this, perhaps more than Jews of all ages, civilians and soldiers who were taken to Gaza as hostages, I think about their families who are wondering if they are among the dead or among the captives. I think about the beloved Palestinians in Gaza who just want to live, and after suffering the reality of non-freedom that is Gaza, are now suffering from bombardment, a bombardment that will be much more severe than any of them ever experienced before. I think about Palestinians in East Jerusalem and the West Bank who are trying to decide what their move should be in the midst of all of this. And I think about the Israeli soldiers who are so afraid that some of the Gazan fighters are still in Israel and that they will be too easy on the trigger of their guns and kill innocent people. Beloved in Christ, even with the lessons of history, even with the enormity of pain and suffering in the world, we as human beings do not seem to learn our lessons. And into this we read the gospel today about the banquet that Jesus describes is open to everyone. Yet the reality is, because of human depravity, in one way or another, we either host or participate in banquets that exclude others or demonize some. So in fact, rather than take the vision of God and accept God's invitation, we continue to rely on our own prejudices, our own devices, and the logic of this world. And so in the midst of that, look at the plain words of Scripture. When the messengers are sent to invite others, there are a variety of responses. But fundamentally, the response is, they made light of it and went away. They didn't take the invitation seriously. One went to the farm, another to his business, while the rest of them seized the mis messengers, mistreated them, and killed them. Now it's interesting to me that the gospel writer only uses one word to describe the phrase, they made light of it. That word conveys a careless attitude that evolves from intentional neglect. Such carelessness and neglect is, as that word conveys, 
a result of a malformed perspective on life. So rather than taking in a wisdom based on the values of God, this malformed perspective takes a view that feeds into their very depravity, their selfish desires, their selfish gains, and their selfish wants. It's about becoming self-involved and maliciously engaging in killing those who are invited to God's peaceable table. Yet, it's not only those folks who took light of things. We read of the one person who did accept the invitation, yet did not care enough to take it seriously. He did not don the attire necessary for the wedding because he was not invested. See, to wear the wedding robe in this parable is to wear the baptismal garment, to take the lordship of Christ seriously. And wearing this baptismal garment is about intentionally committing to a Christian way of life. And that, my friends, necessitates profound intentionality. For how we live in the world and how we behave in the world matters to God and certainly has implications for this world. Now, I, in many ways, I'm preaching to the choir. I get it. I'm delighted that you've come to this table. But now I ask you, why do you come to the table? What are you committing to? How seriously do you or do we take the claims of our faith? Am I open? Are you open to allowing the experience of the Eucharist transform our lives so much that our priorities become radically transformed and changed? So whether it's Israel or Palestine, the streets of Annapolis, Baltimore, or D.C., the reality is that as our dependence, as our reliance of living into the true nature of God's vision and dream for the world has decreased, depravity has increased. Now, there are many surveys about religious life in the U.S. Many wonder about declining religious participation in terms of institutional survivability. That's all well and good on one level. But for me as a Christian pastor, it's not about institutional viability. I am more convinced, I am more concerned about the realization that as religious participation decreases, as we occupy our lives with many distractions, we lose a sense of deep perspective and a moral vision. We lack the capacity to differentiate evil from good, as put forward by a segment of students at elite institutions who attempted to excuse human depravity, or even those willingly, who willingly support harm to innocent civilians 
who are struggling amidst demonic regimes. Beloved, we are invited to come to the table and pray. In the Psalms we read, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so we pray and we stand in prayerful solidarity with all victims of violence and destruction. Numerous innocents have lost their lives due to aggression, brute power, and human depravity. Archbishop Noam has asked that we stand in solidarity and pray for the cessation of violence and has specifically suggested that the worldwide church, the Anglican Communion, prays on Tuesday, October 17th. In fact, Archbishop Noam, Noam said, fast and pray, for that is the ancient Christian practice of getting on our knees with emptiness, asking the wisdom of God to fill our lives. So I am inviting you, my beloved parish of St. Anne's, to fast and pray. It can be physically fasting from food, or staying off of caffeine, or staying off the internet for news, or whatever. Fast from something, if you can, if you are physically able to, if you are emotionally able to. But also pray. That's the most fundamental thing. Pray. We have opportunities to do so. A 1210 Eucharist on Tuesday. Evening prayer online at 5.30. Whatever it is, commit to coming to the table, the table of grace, for the only way in which God can transform any of us is not through our human logic, but through the conversion of the hearts of stone into a heart of flesh that bleeds and understands the pain and emotions of people. So the most we can do is pray. So perhaps that is what we should do. Pray for the coming and reign of the kingdom of God, the coming of Christ on this earth, knowing that there, is, there are all too many barriers in human-constructed peace, praying that the peace of God that passes all understanding reigns on this world. Amen.